This is an AMI podcast. I'm Juita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. Throughout middle school and high school, I skipped out on physical education to spend time in the library. No one seemed concerned about this clear violation of school rules. After all, I was skipping class without permission. In fact, I got the impression my teachers thought it was a good thing. I later reflected I was allowed to duck out of physical education because it was convenient not to think about how to make those activities accessible to a blind student. Now, I regret this omission from my education because exercise goes beyond physical fitness. Sport teaches us discipline how to be team players and how to recover from setbacks. There's no reason why being blind means you can't find joy in the outdoors and in exercise. Today, we discuss blindness and outdoor adventure. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. I'm Joey the Gupta. It's really good to be with you today. And as both Nasreen and I were saying off the pro- top, we were just ch- chatting before we started recording the program, we're both feeling a little cooped up and definitely suffering a case of, of cabin fever because we're, we've been in lockdown here in Ontario for several weeks now and it feels like this pandemic will just never end. Of course, uh, that's clearly not the case because um, everyone's getting vaccinated and I think things will probably go back to normal fairly soon. Nevertheless, I thought this would be a good time to check in with Ron Walsh or the Blind Adventurer to find out about how he's been staying active during the pandemic. And so uh, Ron joins us today from Saskatoon. Hello and welcome to the program. You know, it's really good to have you and uh, just to chat with us a little bit and to share some tips and tricks with us. How are you? I was doing really good. Thank you very much. So, Ron, how do you get to be known as the blind adventurer? Well, I'm not a person that likes to sit around. Uh, <laughs> when I was a young guy, I had a snowmobile, motorcycle, car, truck, all that. And then suddenly when I had an eye problem, uh, I got active. I mm. got rid of my motorcycle and snowmobiles and all that, and I started cross-country skiing and started uh, mountain biking and I got way more active. I had a motorcycle before, and I could just drive right up to the front door. And then suddenly when I didn't have that, I got the mountain bike, and I just loved that. That was something that if I would have kept driving, I would have never experienced. And then I got the mountain bike, rode around the city for a year, and then I rode a mountain bike from Calgary to Victoria. Mm-hmm. That was kind of wild, so yeah. I did that. And uh, then years later, I did a canoe trip of the Saskatoon Canoe Club. We did a 180-kilometer canoe trip, 140 of it on the Churchill River, which it was waterfalls and I don't know how many sets of rapids, but it was, I'm probably one of the only blind people have ever done that. Wow, that's so, in, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, but tell like me a little, so you've been doing all this great adventure, all these wonderful ad- adventurous things, uh, The, you know, the hiking, the canoeing, why? I mean, what is it about the outdoors uh, that, that attracts you? Or is there more than just, you know, a passion for the outdoors? Well, there's the fresh air, there's the physical fitness, there's camaraderie, there's something different. 
um, more exciting things happen to me when I'm out in the wilderness than sitting on my couch. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's just getting out. It's uh, I've always been an active person. I like the outdoors, and as my eyesight started to get worse, I just changed my outdoor activities slightly and probably increased them quite a bit more. Mm. I'm going to circle back to this point about increasing your activity after losing uh, some of your vision. But one of the things I've noticed, because I've done a bit of tandem cycling, I've gone on hikes uh, and, you know, with sighted guides. One of the things that's unavoidable if you're blind and you're outdoors is you do need to put your faith in a sighted guide. And, you you know, that's fine. No one's uh, saying that the sighted guides don't have the best intentions. But for a lot of people, it might mean putting your faith in almost a near stranger. How do you build trust and and feel comfortable doing that Uh, and what advice would you have for other people who might struggle with you know relying on someone they barely know to guide them down a hiking trail or to go on a tandem bike ride with well for myself i like to investigate as much as i can before Mm. i start that i'm not only leaving all my you know everything to the person that's uh, cited i like to be prepared i like to have as much information before I start. So I'm not, you know, I am relying on them, but um, I, you know, I'm physically fit. I'm, I'm doing everything I can do to be ready. Mm. And then having people that are reliable. Um, I did a 2017, a friend of mine and myself did a hike 53K over the Pacific Coast Mountains, mm. the Chilkoot Pass. And that was incredible. And there was some pretty hairy places there, but the person I'm with was totally comfortable in the bush. He does lots of activity in the bush, so, I mean, if something happened, it would just something happen. But I was there with somebody very competent, and I was as ready as I could be. So I, you know, kind of going into it with lots of confidence and confidence in the people I'm with. I like the point of preparation. Like every time I go on air, I prepare, you know, I go research the person, I write the monologue. So it's fair to say that you probably have a lot to prepare for in terms of some of the outdoor activities that you engage in. What sort of preparations would you say are important to make? Well, doing a little shopping up front to go out to these outdoor stores to actually talk to them and find out what there is for equipment. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, there's all different kinds of water filters and all different things that you do need. And the equipment changes from year to year, so you pretty well have to go into these shops just to, you know, see what's new and what's big advantages coming out. And you get um, lots of advice from people that, uh, you know, kind of do it every day. And, yeah, it's just investigating as much as you can, having mm. as much ammunition on your side as you can before you start. For those of us who maybe don't want to invest in a lot of equipment just yet, because we aren't sure if this is our cup of tea, but we want to dip a toe in the water, what's a good way to get started? Join a club. Mm -hmm. I've joined the Saskatoon Canoe Club, and they have been incredible. Uh, I don't drive, so all the trips I've gone on, I've been in the Canoe Club for over 30 years, and I've gone on probably mm, two to three trips a year. And I don't drive. So all of that is all handled for me. And I'm paddling with people that are extremely experienced, really capable people. And also half these trips that we go on, half the people we go with are completely inexperienced. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a good group of, 
And it's amazing how you'll see a person, first day on a canoe trip, they're terrible. Second day, they're not too bad. Third day, they're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, lots of times, just go to a club and say, I want to be involved. And if they throw you out, they throw you out. But if they don't, you're in. Mm. And I was the and only the- first person in the Saskatoon Canoe Club to be a blind person. And now this year, through I have a foundation to take people out blind, visually impaired, canoeing, backpacking. And mm. through the Saskatoon Canoe Club, I think there's 12 of us this year that are going to be taking uh, lessons in a little pond in the city. And then once a week, we're going to be paddling in the city. And you're, this is all going through regardless of the pandemic, or has that, put a, has that forced oh. you to slow down a little bit? Absolutely, absolutely. The um, normally we would have overnight trips and like long, you know, many day canoe trips that are all kind of canceled till the fall. We're gonna, well, we're not gonna do any real uh, tenting this year, but our um, hike gonna have a few hikes in the fall. And in the canoe, we gotta be masked up, and we gotta, yeah, we gotta have 100% um, protection against us because we don't want uh, to have a problem and shut the club down and. You know, it's we've got to be careful. Absolutely, it's it's a serious thing, and uh, we definitely are taking it serious. Well, you know, for someone like me, uh, I live in a condo. I I readily admit I don't even have a balcony, so it's kind of annoying. Uh, but uh, have you seen a spike in interest? Are more people looking to join the club uh, and to try and engage with some of these outdoor activities? Just as there's been a spike in pets, I'm wondering if there's been a spike of in interest in in outdoor activities and adventure activities. Well, um, I've been. Uh trying to gather people to take these lessons in the canoe club. And the first year I was able to get uh, myself and one other person. And this year mm-hmm. I have 11 people that are joining the canoe oh. club that are all blind. So that's a big increase. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And plus I'm skiing. I'm a cross country skier and we got uh, a few more skiers this year joined and absolutely things are, uh, Blind community isn't a very busy community, but I could see in the future being a much busier community. Just because a club doesn't have blind in the name doesn't mean that they don't op- take you into the open arms. Saskatoon Canoe mm-hmm. Club, um, since I've been involved, they have just done everything they can to help out the blind community. Um, like we just kind of started, but they've just done great things for us. And they don't have blind in the name. If you want to join a club, walk in and sit down and say, can you accommodate me? How can we do this? And the worst that can happen is they can throw you out. Well, hopefully they won't do that. (laughs) Uh, Listen, you've mentioned a lot of, uh, you've mentioned a a number of times how much fun you've had canoeing. Uh, Tell us a a couple of stories. Tell us a couple of times that something interesting happened to you while you were out in the canoe. Uh, Anything, you know, any stories you'd like to share with us? Well, I did a canoe trip with the Saskatoon Canoe Club. Like I said, we did 180 kilometers. Uh, 140 of it on the Churchill River, and the section we did on the Churchill River was extremely um, crazy and scary. And the first, we paddled 40k upstream to get onto the Churchill River, and then the first thing we encountered coming downstream on the Churchill River was Kettle Falls. That's about a five meter drop, and you have portage just before that. So the pullout to take the boat out of the water, um, okay, how far away are the falls? About uh, 60 feet. 
wow. not very far, like right there. Mm-hmm. So if we do a little bomb mm-hmm. or a mistake, we got a problem. So it gets your attention right away. And then after that, it was the next eight days of, you know, rapids every day. And it was, it was amazing. It was just incredible. There was some scary parts, but the rest was just incredible. I'm Juvita Gupta, and with me is the blind adventurer, Ron Walsh. Ron, I was saying before the break, uh, as we sort of worked our way out of that segment, that I'm honestly concerned about how physically fit you need to be. Should I be going to the gym three times a day or something before I undertake any of these outdoor activities, or am I good to go the way I am? Well, you probably could go. At, I'm not sure, you know, you're physical, but everybody needs to be more physically active. It's um, mm. If you have something to do, like a hike coming up or something, a big canoe trip, it gives you incentive, uh, maybe a little healthy fear to get ready, to go to the gym, to start doing sit-ups, to maybe do a little uh, better diet or, you know, whatever it takes to get ready. It's you got a date and time to get ready. So it's uh, everybody says, well, why don't you get in better shape? Well, why? Well, if you've got a date and time, you're leaving. You've got a date and time to get ready for so it's it's uh, it gives you a reason to get in shape. Have you uh, done a lot of camping? I know that's an outdoor activity that a lot of people enjoy, and one that is quite popular through the summer and the fall. Is that something that you enjoy as well? I do a lot of camping. I think I have about 292 days that I've slept in either a tent or a building without heat, uh, below freezing. Mm. So I've done oh, wow. a lot of winter camping, and uh, even this winter I spent three weeks, uh, a week at a time, a week in January, a week in February, a week in March, by myself, out ice fishing. And my brother just drops me off at this lake for a week at a time, and I got a little wood stove in there, and I do all my cooking and everything um, off the wood stove, and I'm, and I'm completely blind. And really, the ice fishing, you know, it's kind of dark where you're doing it all, and my eyesight has absolutely no bearing on my ice fishing. But how do you pitch a tent? I mean, you know. It's a little building that I pull out there with either a truck or a snowmobile. So mm-hmm. the, oh, actually to pitch a tent, uh, the tent, the design, the tent I bought is kind of the poles are kind of goes from corner to corner. So it's very easy to set up. I had one before that that was color coded when I could see, but now I can't see. So I have poles that are just kind of go to corner to corner and it's very easy to set up. A little bit of practice, you'd have it set up in no time. Wow. I'm, I'm just even, trying to imagine myself doing that. That's, that's incredible. But, but it, the thing is with your, if, you, if you've got lots of time, set it up a few times in your living room. Figure it all out. Get it out. And, you know, you're not like the average person. You don't want to have to learn how to do this in the wind and the rain. So you no. do it a few times in your living room. Get that kind of checked out. You know how everything works. That's again prepared. And mm-hmm. even... Uh, one thing, um, threading a hook. I can take a hook and I can thread it and I can do it quicker than waiting for my buddy uh, to find his glasses. And I'm completely blind. So that's a little trick that I learned. And, yeah, there's, there's um, lots of things that my eyesight really has no bearing on. Like fishing. Mm-hmm. I have no problem taking fish off a hook or baiting it or retying it or... Especially when I go fishing by myself. You know, I'm out there for a week by myself. I pretty well got to be able to uh, do all that by myself. And, and yeah. really, and I, I have mean, no problem. 
Yeah, and I do know Lawrence Gunther, the blind fisherman. So I do yeah. agree with you that fishing that fishing is something that a lot of blind people can do. Uh, what's the most sort of outlandish adventure you've been on? I mean, I can think about skydiving being something that I would have liked to try maybe if I was a bit younger. But uh, uh, what are some of the more interesting and outlandish adventures that you've been on? Well, oh, probably that canoe trip and that uh, mm. hike to Alaska. We hiked that 53K over the Pacific Coast Mountains, the... Uh, Chilkoot Pass. I think it was a, a third blind person to do that. Um, that was pretty amazing. That that was tough. It, it was tough. Um, yeah, there's no uh, no easy going on that path. So that was pretty wild. Um, and this winter, I'd like to hopefully drive about 12 hours north of Saskatoon and do some fishing up there this winter, and do some winter camping and get some more fishing in. <laughs> Sounds good. So you, you you haven't really taken to skydiving then? You didn't say, oh, you know, I really wanted to do that. Or is that something on the bucket list? It's on the list. It's on the list. <laughs> is it? For sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, and even something like that, having someone strapped to your back who's an expert mm -hmm. makes it sound pretty easy. Yeah, it's true. My brother went skydiving. My mother was furious. She couldn't imagine he'd gone through with it. But it was one of those bucket list things. Uh, is there something that you just wouldn't you wouldn't touch with a ten foot pole? Like I know you're an adventurer and you have uh, you have a lot of things that you enjoy and you're all about pushing those boundaries. But is there something that you nevertheless be reluctant to try? Not really. If I <laughs> okay. thought it wasn't safe, I if, if if there was no way I could figure it out to be slightly safe, uh, I don't know. I think there's a lot of things a person can do. Like there's, you know, mm -hmm. blind people that climb mountains and there's not, you know, blind people that fly airplanes. Uh, there's not too much stuff you can be held back by if you can, you know, just look at it maybe from a different angle. Mm -hmm. Maybe look at it from different <laughs> angles, not the words, but yeah, there's lots of ways of doing things. You know, I started the show by talking about my experience in middle school and high school, and I might seem a bit incongruous to talk about that when we're talking about adventuring, but I think about how many blind people might have felt the same way that I did, that it was just easier to let them duck into the library and step away from any kind of physical activity or exercise. How much responsibility do you think that teachers and uh, parents of blind youth have to try and inculcate a love of the outdoors rather than to introduce fear and introduce mistrust of the outdoors. Uh, what, sort of, what are your thoughts on that? Well, most fears are lack of information. If a person, again, investigates and, you know, how, is, how can you do it safely? You know, what do you need to be prepared? And if a person can go at it that, that, you know, you're not... You're not a victim if you're there with all the information that everybody else has. And if mm -hmm. you, you know, you, you show up prepared, you're ready to go. Mm. And then hope for the best. If, <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think, do you think that there is a need to, um, sort of provide more coverage for blind sports and activities. I know the Paralympics get a lot of coverage now compared to, say, 10 years ago. But do you think that there are so many clubs and so many uh, groups of people that do everything from uh, blind walking tours to blind sailing, do you think the media needs to do a better job of, of exposing these groups so that that point about information that you made, that the general public has that information as well? Well, for me, I... I'm very, I like to do a lot of different things, 
and even myself, I have trouble investigating, you know, finding things. All of a sudden, a club will pop up that's been around for a long time that I never heard about. Mm-hmm. And and really, there's um, lots of activities that uh, are set up for people that were blind. But again, I, I still think that the general public... Um, doesn't like before I had an eye problem, I wasn't really introduced to anybody that was blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, maybe there's blind clubs, but I didn't know anybody or didn't have anything to do with it. But I think as a blind person, I'm just, again, walk right into any club I want to be involved with and see if they can accommodate me. Like there's mm-hmm. running clubs and there's all kinds of clubs that, you know, don't necessarily have blind in the name that would be, you know, they don't even know what it would be like to have a blind person involved. And, you know, some of us blind people are fairly durable. <laughs> we, we get back up. Uh, do you think there's something about being a problem solver in your day-to-day life? That's something that is often true for a lot of people with disabilities that is, sort of gives us a unique advantage when it comes to outdoor activities and adventure. Well, absolutely. I mean, the average person that uh, is sighted doesn't slow down to listen to those birds or smell the grass growing and stuff like that it's there's um yeah sometimes people just don't stop and enjoy all the senses they have mm-hmm. and when you are blind you do listen to that bird a little more and you do smell the grass and hear the wind and so yeah i think there's it's, there's as you know there are things that other people do miss out on what have you learned about yourself in all the years of adventuring and canoeing and being outdoors? What have what has Ron Walsh learned about Ron Walsh that you didn't know back when you were still driving and you were fully sighted? Uh, the advantage to being physically active. Um, I'm way more physically fit than I was when I was driving. Uh, I do a lot more walking. I got a guide dog. I go walking every day. And at times the rain and the snow kind of, you know, try to keep you in the house. And you think, oh, well, maybe not. I got to go. I got the dog. And you go out and you do that walk, and you come back and you feel better. That's Mm -hmm. what I get out of it. The physical fitness that I've always needed, I still need it. With no eyesight, Mm -hmm. I still need to get out and, you know, it, it just makes me feel better. Hey, that sounds really great. Ron, thank you very much for speaking to us today on the program. It was a lot of fun getting to know you, and I wish you luck with all of your upcoming future adventures. Well, thank you very much. Maybe we'll see you in a canoe one of these days. That was blind adventurer Ron Walsh, who joined us today from Saskatoon. If you missed any of my conversation with Ron, you can find the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Also head on over to ami.ca forward slash on the pulse. I'd like to thank Ron Walsh for being my guest on the program today. Nisreen Abdul-Majid is our technical producer. Andy Frank is the manager for AMI-audio. And Paula Deneen is our technical supervisor. Thanks a lot for listening. Stay safe and have a wonderful rest of your day. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.